Megan, I have been using our sponsor Element, that's L-M-N-T, to boost my hydration for over a month now, and I'm really loving it. I'm just not very good at drinking plain water, and I love the taste when I pop one of these little packets, I like orange or grapefruit, into a big bottle of water. It's kind of fruity and salty, and it just helps me hydrate better overall. Element is a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research that shows the best health outcomes occur with higher sodium levels. Each little pack delivers a significant dose of electrolytes, but minus sugar, artificial colors, and other iffy ingredients. Element's flavors are so unique, like fruity watermelon salt and spicy sweet mango chili. And we're going to set our listeners up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite. Right. You can receive a free Element sample pack containing eight flavors with any drink mix purchase when you purchase through our custom link, drinkelement.com slash momhour. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and is available for both new and returning customers. And if you're an Element Insider, you'll have first access to Element Sparkling, a bold can of sparkling electrolyte water. Again, it's drinklmnt.com slash momhour. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. We're two moms with eight kids between us, from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share tips and encouragement. And remind you that it's really all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Mom Hour. I am Megan Francis here, as always, with Sarah Powers. What's up, Sarah? Hey, Megan. Happy long weekend. It's the kickoff to summer. It sure is, and I'm looking forward to it. Um, and I'm looking forward to some adventures this summer. See what I did there? I do. Yes. Today we are doing one of our More Than Mom episodes, which we do a couple times a month where we talk about sort of fluffy topics or not motherhood stuff. And, well, it's all motherhood, right? But not parenting topics necessarily. And we're talking about adventure today. Um, I love this topic because I've always thought of myself as like an adventurous person, but then that can mean a lot of different things. So we're going to talk about how we define adventure, which I know is different for everybody. And we're also going to share some stories about some adventures we've been through, like some funny stories, some heartwarming stories, some scary stories. We're just going to run the whole emotional gamut. Um, And then later, we're going to do another episode, a Tuesday, um, more parenting topic episode, where we're going to talk about how we cultivate a sense of adventure in our lives, our families' lives, and our kids' lives. So look forward to that in a few weeks. Yeah, we're gonna... really excited about that. We were going to just do just one, and then we're like, as we do sometimes, we thought... There's too much. Too, too much. much here. And yeah. I, as the, as the probably less adventurous one of the pair of us, at first I was like, oh, I'm not adventurous. But I'm excited about the way we're going to talk about this because adventure means something different to everybody. And I've definitely had adventures in my life and for sure want to bring my kids up and our family culture around a spirit of adventure, but that doesn't have to look like, I don't know, rappelling Rappelling off the side side of a mountain. (laughs) We just had the exact same. (laughs) I love it. In stereo. We both started rappelling. And then I just started picturing our entire combined eight kids all rappelling off a mountain (laughs) at the same time. With you and I clinging to the top. Yeah. Yeah. Like a metaphor for something in there. (laughs) It is. is. I think most people probably are more adventurous than they think. So I'm excited to dig in on this as well. Yeah. And I I had some like good memories come back as we were preparing. So it's going to be fun. Yeah. Megan, the end of the school year and kickoff to summer is a busy time of the year for families, but we can all eat stress-free and hit our wellness goals with ready-to-eat meals from our sponsor, Factor. 
Factor's delicious meals are never frozen and can be ready to eat in just two minutes. You can pick from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular choices like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Plus, they have more than 60 add-ons like breakfast, lunch, snacks, and beverages to keep you fueled all day long. So our team was comparing notes recently on our favorite factor meals, and Katie loved the herb-crusted chicken with mashed cauliflower and toasted almond green beans. I loved that one, too. And get this, so did her little boy, Charlie. She heated it up for lunch one day, and Charlie, who's three, ate almost all of the green beans. I mean, that's quite an endorsement, right? I was going to say, what a parenting win. (laughs) And I get it, Charlie. Those green beans are crazy good. And if you really want to treat yourself, they even have meals with filet mignon, shrimp, truffle butter, broccolini, and asparagus. Listeners, head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code momhour5050 at factormeals.com slash momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Okay, Megan. Well, over here at the Mom Hour, we are big fans of our sponsor, Our Place. In fact, you, me, and our team member, Katie, were all comparing notes on our favorite product. Katie was telling us that even though she's packing up to move her family to a new house, she cannot put that mini perfect pot from Our Place into the boxes yet because she's using it like every night. Well, as someone who also has a perfect pot, I got mine as part of their mini home cook duo set. I get it. It's nonstick, which is key, but it also has all these handy features like a steam release lid with a built-in strainer and this nice beechwood spoon that nests on the handle in this perfect little peg. Okay, well, I didn't get this pot, but now I want it. That sounds so great. Our Place's cookware is great to cook with, beautiful to look at, and healthier for us as well. All of Our Place's products are made without PFAS, also known as Forever Chemicals. In addition to their cookware and tableware, Our Place is also making waves with their Wonder Oven, the most stylish all-in-one air fryer and toaster oven. Again, free from the Forever Chemicals found in many of those air fryers. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's fromourplace.com, code MOMHOUR. Okay, so first, let's define adventure and what that means to us. Um, I think sometimes we have this, well, two things. First of all, sometimes I think we think adventure is something we have to like sign up for. Mm -hmm. Like we have to go manufacture it somehow. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that later or plan it. Like we have to plan an event in which there will be an adventure, but (laughs) now we are adventuring, (laughs) but sometimes it just happens. And also, um, I think that even if you don't seek adventure, you can also, you can still be open to it. Totally. I think that's a big part of it actually is the open mindset. I think the first thing that comes to mind for me as someone who is very calculated and likes to plan things and is pretty risk averse to me, adventure is anything that's outside your comfort zone. And sometimes that's something you sign up for, like literally put your name on a list and you're going skydiving or you're, you know, whatever. But very often life pushes us out of our comfort zone or something that we thought was going to turn out one way turns into a bigger adventure. I know we're both going to be talking about like getting lost or. Yeah. So I think anything that's outside your comfort zone. um, I I I was noticing little themes emerge when I was putting together the stories I'm going to tell. And it was something that was like a little scary or a little bit wrong, like a little bit breaking the rules 
or a little bit brave. It's just like just that step beyond what you're used to. And and that's going to look different for everybody. It is. And I want to also say, like, I think a lot of people associate, like we mentioned with the rappelling off the side of a mountain thing, they associate adventure with thrill seeking. I am not a physical thrill seeker, like at all. I don't, I mean, I like roller coasters, but I'm not someone who would, I don't drive fast and dangerously on purpose. Um, I don't seek out danger. I don't seek out physical danger. You know, what's so funny about that? Knowing you so well now is I, I see you as a fun seeker, which to me feels almost the same. Like to, I I actually (laughs) probably am more physically like less afraid of physical things. Like I would probably, I mean, I would bungee jump. I, there's things like that, that it's not that I seek them out, but I would do them. I would, never, um, and I would you have like, jump. you have <laughs> such an enthusiasm for what I would call like fun seeking, but it's interesting that it doesn't, it's, it's not a physical, it's not physical thrill seeking. There's a difference. Yeah, it's not. And, and I, I don't mind a bit of calculated danger. Like I'm not terrified of heights. And so if something is, if the fun payoff is worth it to me, mm. um, I'll, I'll indulge in like, say a roller coaster, for example, I don't love heights, but I'm not so terrified of it that I, if I see the benefit, I can do it. But like, I would never jump off the side of a bridge just to do it. Like that doesn't, to me, that doesn't, there's not enough fun. (laughs) Like the kind of fun that is, isn't fun enough for me to want to do that thing. So yeah, it's like, it's, it is, it's different. It's novelty seeking. And they've, um, I've actually read several articles about novelty seeking personalities novelty seeking brains. It's often a sign of ADD, honestly, but, um, I definitely have that. And sometimes it's emotional novelty or, um, you know, these are Mm -hmm. all emotional experiences, but like, like something that's out of the usual outside the ordinary, something that gets your attention. That's what, that's what I seek out. You are truly adventure driven. I would say I'm novelty averse. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So for me, an adventure is going to look different. It might be something planned or it might be something yeah. that's mostly planned with, with room for, with room for surprises. Um, I think you drew the distinction between adventure and thrill seeking. I want to also draw the distinction between adventure and spontaneity because, um, I think there are those of us out there who don't, who feel uncomfortable with a lot of spontaneity and then feel, feel like kind of bad about that. Like I'm not fun. And I think fun and adventure and an an adventure seeking lifestyle doesn't always have to mean making snap decisions or spontaneous decisions. I think you can have adventure. That's part of that's intentional, intentional adventure. And well, yeah. And, and on the flip side of that, um, I think I'm a much more naturally spontaneous person, but I have also in my years, I have learned that planning sometimes makes adventure more fun, (laughs) you know, like, yes. So there's like a balance to be drawn, right. And like a middle ground to find, because if you just find yourself throwing yourself into situations all the time that you're not really prepared for, the fun does run out, it turns out. So yeah, there's definitely like a middle, it's like a, it's a muscle that you flex. Yeah. What does, I'm already asking you a question, even though this is your topic. What is like, what's the emotional feeling of adventure for you? Is it the, is it like, is it mm. pure unadulterated fun? Is it a little bit of risk? Like what is when when you think about that feeling of adventure, what does it feel like? Like it's like excitement, like anything uh-huh. could ha- it's possibility. Anything uh-huh. could happen. I don't know what it would be. Um often it's also being in a situation that's difficult and making the most out of it. Yes. Um that's a that big is, one for me. Yeah. That is something so it feels there's satisfaction in yes. it, right? Because you you took something that was crappy and you made it good. And 
you made it fun or you made it useful or something like that. You made it work for you. And I think that there's a lot of satisfaction in that. And for me, because, because I am risk averse, it's often like almost a surprise at my own capability. Like I, Mm. I did Mm -hmm. that thing, you know, and I didn't, it it never occurred to me that I could. And so that's almost, I guess that's what the feeling you get when you look back, but when you're having the adventure, I think it's probably more primal than that. It's just like you said, excitement, fun, thrill, stress sometimes. Yeah. 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 And often you're, and often your retrospective look at it is very different from how it feels in the moment, but it all counts, <laughs> You're right? You're going to have a story about that, a recent story about that. <laughs> Maybe. Yes, exactly. Um, well, let's start with some stories because I think we, this, this is so fun. Like just thinking about my childhood and, and then up till recently, um, some things that really stand out. I'll go first, but let's okay. first like talk about some, you know, childhood through like college years. Okay. Adventures. Um, the first one that really sticks out in my head was I got in a fight with my mom. I was probably eight, nine, maybe. And I ran away and it, I'm putting that in air quotes. It was one of those where she's like, yep, be back for dinner. <laughs> and so I you know in retrospect, I wouldn't have done it this way if I'd known how far I was going to go, but I ended up packing like literally every doll and stuffed animal I had, I put in garbage bags because <laughs> I wasn't going to leave them behind. And then I recruited a couple of friends from the neighborhood to run away with me. And we started walking And we got as far as the library. And that was as far as I had ever walked alone before. And then we just kept going. Oh, my God. And honestly, my mom probably would have lost her mind if she knew how far we went that day. Like, so I lived in Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan. It's on the river, on the St. Mary's River. And we have the locks there. Um, The locks where they, the rapids, and they bring the boats, the freighters in. And then they they basically lower and raise the water. Oh, wow. Okay. So that, you know, so it's like a tourist attraction. Mm -hmm. But it's like a big park. It's owned by, I think, by the, uh, I don't know, it's owned by some branch of the military, I think. Um, so it's like a big, like, it's a big deal. And it was far from my house, like probably a mile and a half. Mm-hmm. We walked all the way there with like toting these bags over our shoulders like Santa Claus and went to all like the tourists. Like there's like a fudge, like a bunch of fudge shops down there and stuff. And we just went and like, we did all this stuff that we never would have done alone. Wow. And I just remember feeling like, we were going to get picked up by the cops. That's what I kept thinking. Like <laughs> someone is going to get us. We are not supposed to be doing this. And we, and then we all went home and we never really spoke about it again. It was kind of funny. Like we all realized how we had really pushed our limits that day. And I don't think we were gone that long. And in my, in my brain, I'm probably exaggerating, you know, over the years, I'm sure my uh, memory is a little exaggerated, but like, I just remember that being like, Oh my gosh, I ran away. And yeah. That is, that's a legit adventure. It. Yes. It was an adventure. But, you know, childhood in general, it was the 80s and I had a pretty uh, free reign. My mom ran a daycare out of our house, so she couldn't really come find me. You know, mm-hmm. she couldn't leave. And I, I do remember that feeling of getting on my bike in the morning. And even if I wasn't going to go more than a three block radius, just feeling like like anything mm-hmm. was possible. Um, the next ones that really stand out have to do with getting my driver's license in a car. So, you know, we both you and I both became drivers. Mm-hmm. In an era before cell phones. Yep. Which meant we got lost and yep. we didn't have a map. We nope. didn't have a, we couldn't call our parents. And I just remember taking so many wrong turns, getting <laughs> lost so many times when I was a new driver. But I always managed to figure out how to get back. And like what you were saying, that feeling of going, I didn't know that I could do that. Like hmm. I thought of myself as someone who was very directionally challenged and that I couldn't, that I wouldn't be able to get myself out of that kind of pickle. And sometimes it meant I drove 
20 miles in the wrong direction and <laughs> turned around and went back. And sometimes it meant I had to stop and ask for help. Like I, you know, I figured out how to do it, Yeah. but I really figured out how to do it. And, and I only ever called home one time and I remember I had to find a, a payphone mm-hmm. to do it. Cause like, I just was so hopelessly lost. I couldn't figure it out. Um, and then later I got my second year of college. I had, I bought a car over the summer and drove myself to college for the first time. It was a 1984 Volkswagen Golf. So it wasn't even that old of a car. It was like 11 years old, but it had issues. And <laughs> um, like 30 minutes into the drive, the oil light goes off. Oh. Me, like they made that buzzing sound. Yeah. And then it basically did that just randomly on and off the entire <laughs> time I owned the car. And it wasn't really related. Nothing was wrong. It was a sensor that wasn't working. Um, but I remember stopping at a truck stop and thinking, what am I going to do? Do I go back? Do I go home? Do I give up? Like, and I just thought, I think I asked somebody, um, some old dude working there, what he thought. And he said, well, you'll probably be fine. Just get it where you're going. (laughs) Just get where you're going and then take it to the shop as soon as you can. And so I drove the rest of the way, which is like another hour with this, with my windows down to the radio blasting. So I didn't hear that. And just. I remember getting there and thinking, well, I did it. Like nothing terrible happened. I survived. So, you know, I had, I'm sure many other stories like that between the time I was little and the time that I was going away to college. But I think the ones that really stand out, like you said, are the ones where something was hard and I did it anyway. Yeah. Um, and, and I got through it and yeah. the satisfaction of that. I love it. Um, okay. Well, I have, I have a few little ones. And you've got a nice little structure for years, which well, is fun. As I, yeah, as I started writing them, I thought, well, it's either something that's a little bit scary, a little bit breaking the rules, and then a little bit uh, more grown up than I thought I was. So Mm -hmm. mine fall into kind of those categories. So my earliest one is I think I was about six, six or seven. My brother would have been four or five. And we were at the beach in my hometown where I grew up. And my parents had friends who had a boat and the harbor was, you couldn't get on the boat from where we were. We were at a normal beach they had gotten on their boat at the harbor, which was like a mile away. And the plan was for them to drive the boat out opposite where we were. And then us swim out with my parents past the buoys to get on the boat because the boats Mm -hmm. can't come close to shore like a regular, you know, people hanging out beach. And so my mom took my brother piggyback and my dad took me and we swam through the waves and out past the buoys, which in my little, in my memory now as a little kid, it felt like 10 miles of ocean swimming. And we could swim, my brother and I, but not ocean swim. So our parents yeah. were physically responsible. And I think the reason my memory of it is an adventure is number one, we were okay. We made it. But I think both my parents had that moment where they were like, okay, this is harder than I thought it was going to be and longer. <laughs> yeah. And there's yeah. no choice. Nobody was ever drowning. Like no one was ever in that much danger, but it was hard swimming. Ocean swimming is hard. And, and we, once you're in it, what are you going to do? Right. And we were little. And so the, the feeling for them of having their little kids out there yeah. and we, we could see the boat. And so I do, I kind of remember feeling like it was a little bit cool that we had done it. And then, but I definitely remember kind of a healthy fear and like just clinging onto my dad's shoulders and like, feeling like we were being tossed up and down, which I don't think we were. I mean, it, once you get past the the break of the waves, it's not like it was rough seas, but it's different than a swimming pool. And it right. felt far. So I just remember that feeling. Um, the next one I remember, I was in high school and I was with my best friend and my boyfriend at the time. And we we snuck into this amazing place called Lotus Land. 
Santa Barbara people will know what it is. It's a, it used to be an estate and it's now a preserved garden. So it's a kind of place where they have like private events there, or you can go and take tours, but it's not a public park because it used to be some wealthy person's like giant estate. And they have crazy plants from all over the world. That's what it's known for. So like you can go see really rare plants in their gardens. Well, we hopped the fence and it wasn't, I mean, it was night. It wasn't the middle of the night, probably like nine or 10 o'clock. And we just, we weren't even up to anything bad. We just thought it would be cool to go in and hang out at Lotus Land at night. And of course, like very soon after we're in there walking around, we see headlights of some like security, oh, no. <laughs> like security Jeep or whatever. And we like hightailed it out of there and we got in the car and we, you know, drove somewhere else. And But I think for me, because I was so not a rule breaker that any amount of rule breaking felt like an adventure. And I think I have like fond memories of that one because we weren't, there was no one harmed. I mean, we were, right. we were trespassing. I think the worst that would have happened is we would have gotten yelled at but we weren't doing anything and we definitely weren't out to hurt anybody. Um, so it did feel kind of like, I don't know, at the time, probably the worst infraction that I'd get in trouble for. I love it. But we escaped. Um, and then, yeah, the last one is, I, I've probably talked about this on the podcast before, but when I was 17, so I had two really close friends, one's a year younger, one's a year older. So we were 16, 17 and very newly 18 um, so there was technically one of us was a legal adult by like two weeks. And we took my car, which was, I had a relatively newer car and it was safe. And the three of us went on a road trip from Southern California to central Oregon, which is over a thousand miles. And we camped by ourselves. I know I've told this story before, yeah. but no cell phones, um, two different nights of camping in different areas of, you know, central California, then farther Northern California. And we ended up at my aunt's house in Portland. Um, and that was a very planned adventure. We had convinced our parents like months earlier and with our, like showing our responsible ways. And like, we had mm -hmm. kind of earned the right to that trip. So it wasn't spontaneous, but oh my gosh, when you, when you're talking about like riding a bike as an eight-year-old and just feeling like anything could happen, like three teenagers in a car, like we, and we were such good kids. Like we had no, we weren't going to get up to any funny business, but we just felt like we owned the world. And yeah. I'm just really, I, I'm just really grateful that we were allowed to do that. I, I can't imagine letting my 16, 17 and 18 year olds go states away with no cell phone and camping at night by themselves, three girls. It yeah. seems I, but I'm so glad. And that was yeah. definitely, and nothing bad happened. We were, I mean, we had really crossed all, we went to AAA and got the maps. We really had like had to convince our parents with our ultra responsible planning. So, you know, it all went fine, but the fact that we were allowed to do it felt like a big, a big privilege. It is a big deal. And, and I think it is one of those things that can, that can be life-changing. Um, I went on a trip similar to that when I was 18, uh, with Jenna and John actually. Oh, and yeah. And we, um, we ended up getting rained out. Like we were in the smoky mountains mm. and it started raining really hard. So we couldn't pitch our tent cause it was late. And then like, then the, uh, the whole park got evacuated in the middle of the night. Oh, so that's happened. My parents have a crazy story in. about that, about yes. camping with us when we were little and getting evacuated yeah. in the middle of the night. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So it was one of those things though, where it was like, Oh, again, like we did it, you know, yeah. nothing terrible happened. So, um, I think that's, I think that's cool. And again, free cell phones, all pre cell so phones. different, yeah. so different. Oh, this is so fun. Oh, and you've got another one. Oh, yeah. Well, um, so a little bit later, I traveled in Europe the year that I lived abroad when I was 20. So I know in the second half, we're going to talk about more grown up adventures. So I guess this is like my last teenage adventure. Was your last teenage 20, Yeah, I guess I was 20. <laughs> 
And I traveled by myself for significant batches of time. I would meet up with other friends who were also studying abroad in Europe. But I was, I think the longest stretch was over a week by myself, staying in small hotels or hostels that I booked. This is the days of yes, internet, but no, like no mobile internet. So like you'd go to an internet cafe, book your next hostel, read the reviews online if there were any, but then you were, you were without for, you know, the time you were traveling. Um, and I did run out of money one time in Venice by myself. It was Easter weekend. So nothing, not even the credit exchange, the places where you could go and like use your credit card to borrow some cash or whatever, they were all closed. And yeah. So just feeling that little bit edge of edge of risk, um, Mm. and by yourself in another country. Yeah. We are welcoming back Vionic as a sponsor today. And Sarah, I will be honest. I was sorting through my warmer weather wardrobe the other day, and it could seriously use a refresh. But you know what's good to go? My shoes. I've got a great selection to choose from thanks to the Vionic Vitals collection. And lately, the pair I keep putting on again and again is the Uptown Loafer. I have two pairs, one in sand suede and the other in camel leather. But please don't make me pick a favorite. Oh, I won't. I'll let you keep both. That's so funny, Megan, because I was a little jealous of your Uptown loafers. I was the last one on our team to get a pair, but I just did. I also got mine in the sand suede, and I think I've worn them like four times this week. They really finish off a cute spring outfit. The Vionic Vitals collection has the best essential styles for everyday wear to get you ready for spring. And no matter what shoes you choose, you'll be on the go in comfort because every single pair of Vionic shoes delivers their trademark Viomotion technology for a difference you can feel. Vionic sandals, sneakers, and flats all offer incredible support, stability, and cushioning, and every pair comes with a 30-day risk-free trial, so it's easy to try them out. Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at vionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's a one-time use only. Vionic Shoes. Wearable well-being for your feet. Sarah, our sponsor, Haya Health, makes a kid's daily multivitamin that parents can feel great about giving their kids because they have no added sugars or dyes. And our kids who have tried Haya vitamins have loved them, which is important, right? Because what good is a bottle of vitamins that your kid won't take? Haya was founded by two dads who didn't like the ingredients label on some of the popular children's vitamins they were seeing on store shelves, so they got to work developing a formula that would help fill the most common nutrient gaps in modern kids' diets. Haya's chewable kids' vitamin is made with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables and then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals. They're also vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, and nut-free. Haya manufactures their vitamins right here in the USA with globally sourced ingredients, and then they ship their chewable vitamins directly to your door on a pediatrician-recommended schedule. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash MomHour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. All right. We have more adventures to talk about. And we're going to talk about adulthood adventures, right? Yes. So the last, you know, 20 years or so. I think this is this is like a different animal, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. So I think that I don't know. Learning, especially the older I get, I feel like the stakes always feel higher somehow. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's because we're supposed to be more responsible or because like you kind of feel like you should know stuff by now. Yeah. Or I think there's some like some logistics, like lack of time. We yeah. also have this very like 
awareness of our mortality. If we are mothers of children, we're like, maybe I don't want to go skydiving on the weekends. Um, So I think there's, there's a lot of that. But the other thing I think that happens is as you get settled in kind of, I don't know, for a lot of us, what is a pretty stable life raising kids, I think there's also some adults who then crave these more manufactured adventure experiences. Like the first one I thought of was like escape the room. Have you done an escape the room? No. You know what? I have zero interest, zero, like literally no interest in doing one of those. And there there's two or three of them that just popped up around here and people think they're super fun. So I have heard wildly, (laughs) I've heard wildly different things. I've heard everything from like best night ever to lame to somewhere in the middle. And I think it probably really depends on the place and also who you're with. So the most fun I've heard it described, and I haven't done it either, but I, I would do it. The most fun way I've heard it described is when your entire group is the whole group. So you have like six or eight people. There's no one else with you. Um, and you can make a night of it and every, and everyone you're with gets along and is into it. Like, I think if there's only like a couple people into it and everyone else is like, oh, I'd rather go out to dinner, or sit outside on the patio yeah. and have a glass of wine, then I think it can be not fun. And then also I think some escape the room places are way more fun than others. So, well, the way I've heard it described is it's basically like, you have to solve puzzles and stuff to get out, right? Yeah. Like you have to, okay. So first of all, I'm terrible at, <laughs> at those kinds of like logic puzzles, anything like that. You do not want me to be that person. So it's kind of like, you know, those like things you would get when you were a kid to take on road trips. They were those books that would have like the puzzles inside of them. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they're activity books, yes. but they would have like a lot of logic puzzles. It's like just being forced to do one of those in front of other people for hours. And then if you don't finish it, you, I guess you never get out of the escape room. Yeah. I mean, I think there's an allotted time. And if you're still in there after two hours, they just let you out. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. In, the, in, that, in that case, <laughs> there's a pretty transactional nature of it. Like you pay a ticket price. I don't know. I would definitely do it. I think I'd have to be with people who made it really fun. My husband is really good at that kind of stuff and can get really into it. And I think if, if I was with the right group, it could be fun. Okay. So that is not the definition of adventure for either of us, but (laughs) there are these other like things you can do to seek out adventure when life stops being an adventure. Like in the first half, we talked about getting lost and, you know, experiencing independence as a teenager and, you know, traveling in Europe. So I just find it interesting that the older we get, the more these are kind of separately carved out like yes this weekend is adventure time well and it's funny because I typically resist those manufactured adventurers that's or manufactured adventures is what mm-hmm. I'm thinking about like like I usually resist the idea that this is when adventure begins and this is when it ends and it's like <laughs> it's in this two or three hour um I just I, I don't like the idea of paying for it I I just I'm, I have this weird hang up or aversion to it but I will say that I have been convinced and I'll tell the story in a little bit um to do a few different things over the years and like zip lining or like a ropes course are two things that I very grudgingly did and then actually really enjoyed. Yeah. Um, I did a, a rafting experience a few years ago that was scary and um, probably not very safe, um, but st- is a standout mm-hmm. in my memory of an experience that I wouldn't have had if I hadn't signed up for it. So so I guess maybe I can be convinced. Yeah. Maybe I could even be convinced to do an escape room. Well, maybe we'll do one. Maybe. Maybe. We'll go oh my together. gosh, can you imagine? We'd be terrible. We'd, we we'd, be be like, we'd be like, hey, can you just bring a couple glasses of wine and comfy <laughs> chairs? And yes. we'll just sit here while somebody else figures out how to. Because we and actually we'll podcast don't, about yeah, it. Yeah, we don't care that we're stuck. We're fine. Right. Just, just, yeah. 
Okay. <laughs> I have no motivation to get out of here. Zero motivation so. to solve yep. puzzles. Um, okay. So do you want me to go through a couple of yeah, yeah. adult adventures? Yes. Um, okay. So I, the first one that comes to mind to me is more of like a life adventure. And that was the path I took after getting a very responsible four-year college degree, graduating from Northwestern. And while all of my friends were getting real jobs, and they were, some of them, you know, well-paid new jobs, like fancy new jobs where they were going to wear a suit every day, or they were going to law school, or they were going to the Peace Corps or Teach for America. It was a pretty prescribed set of things that they were doing, and I decided to try to dance professionally. So when everyone else was going on interviews, I I, I just remember this weird feeling the end of my senior year, knowing I had no intention of doing any of those logical next steps. Um, and so the adventure was that for two and a half, almost three years, I did not get a traditional job and I made a living dancing professionally, which meant it was supplemented by waiting tables a lot in the beginning. And by the end, I was teaching a lot. So that felt like a step up because it felt like at least I was I was teaching dance, not teaching school. Right. Um, so that felt like it was at least related to my art and I was making more money from actual, you know, performing in companies and stuff. And so that was a huge adventure. It definitely took, uh, it was a safe risk. I did. I mean, I had the privilege of like, I would have been able, I had a safety net if something hadn't worked, but I didn't give myself a safety net, like financially. I, I mean, I paid every cent of my own rent. Like I didn't, mm. I didn't want to, I wanted to do it. And that part yeah. of it felt like an adventure. And, you know, I, and I think my parents appreciated that too. Like I wasn't, let me see if I can do this while I was, I was determined to live off what I could make, whether that was waiting tables or meant having a smaller apartment or whatever. And so that felt like, it felt like a huge adventure. And I was living in the city. I was living in Chicago. That was just felt grown up and city-ish. And I really liked having a non-traditional, I'm such a straight and narrow person normally that it was really refreshing to be like, my friends would have these real jobs and commute and I would sleep in, even for me, I would sleep in and have this artist's life. And it was great. So I love it. I think that that's really adventurous. Actually. Yeah. yeah. Um, on a, I mean, yeah, it's not repelling off the side of a mountain, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's, first of all, it's finding yourself in a very new situation and making the most of it, right. Taking advantage yeah. of opportunities that were in front of you. Like a lot of people might never even have thought to look for those opportunities. So yeah, it's very adventurous. Yeah. Well, thanks. Look at um, you. Look at me. And then, um, oh, I, you know what? I thought of a really little one I'll tell. And then I have one more. But well, I forgot about this. But when you were talking about car breakdowns and car st adventures, when Brian and I moved from Chicago to Arizona, and that in itself, that decision was definitely an adventure. We were engaged, not married yet. And the decision was rather sudden. I think we always knew we were going to end up back west somewhere but it happened faster than we planned and we left this life of like being in our 20s in Chicago and all of our friends and we left it kind not super suddenly but kind of suddenly and we drove with our cat all the way from Chicago to Scottsdale and our car broke down in Albuquerque and broke down like side of the road and I remember I didn't have kids at the time but we had this cat and I, it complicated things because we had to wait for a tow truck it was cold and we did have cell phones, I guess, but the tow truck took forever. Like there was like <laughs> terrible traffic. So I, I, we felt like we were on the side of the road for two and a half hours. It might not have been quite that long, but it was a long time. And I just remember the things going through my head, like our furniture, our, our, all of our possessions were being moved. We were supposed to be in Arizona by a certain day. Like 
all those things. And I think this is like the time of my life where I was like, no longer really interested in super spontaneous adventures. Like I, right. I wanted to go to my new, there was a lot riding on that move. I wanted to get to my new apartment and have my furniture there. And I was not prepared for this like breakdown. And then we had to find a place to stay with the cat, which was kind of an adventure. So, oh my goodness. Um, like and then my last one is just the business that we have. <laughs> feels like an it adventure is a, every day. It totally <laughs> is an adventure. Well, okay. It's not just an adventure every day, but it's an adventure from the, from the get go. Like the, yeah. pre- the entire premise of this business is an adventure, right? It is. It is. Yeah. I mean, being a podcaster, like being in this business partnership with you, like we have been inventing things as we go along for, you know, four and a half years and don't see any sign of stopping. And I think that in all the ways that we talked about adventure, like a little bit scary, a little bit out of your comfort zone, um, not a little bit illegal. We're very legal. Um, We're very legal, <laughs> but it is. Yeah. So that everything feels- is completely on the up and up around here. <laughs> So but we're I, not afraid to break the rules. I'm putting rules, you know, like right. if someone says, if someone says this is the way it is, we're not afraid to say why. Right. Who says it's the way it is, right. right? So, yeah. Yeah. So that's probably my current, my current biggest adventure is our business. Yeah. I love that. Well, I have a whole bunch. Okay. Lay, lay them on me. Take, I'm going to lay them on you. But first of all, when you said that about the comfort zone, it made me think of a conversation I had with Clara, who, you know, um, loves theater, uh-huh. but has totally balked every time she's had the opportunity to be in a show. Like she did a little walk-on part for, um, I directed a production of Guys and Dolls a few years ago, and she got to like walk on the stage and walk off like okay. in a townspeople scene. But she has been at auditions and balked mm-hmm. every time. So she's been going with me. I'm directing a teen production of Newsies right now. And she loves a lot of the kids in it. They're like her idols. And so she's been going to rehearsals with me. And she'll sit and watch. And now she's at the age too. She's 10. And these kids are like between 14, mostly between like 14 and 18 mm-hmm. in that age range. So they are like the coolest to her. And she gets to kind of listen in on their conversations and stuff. Anyways, we get home and she's like, I just love theater. I can't wait till I can be in a show. And I said, Claire, <laughs> you could have been in like four or five shows by now. And she's like, well, I just wasn't ready. And she's like, but you know what? Pretty soon I am going to just get out of my comfort zone and do it. Oh and I gosh. just thought that was the cutest thing it's ever. So cute. I remember so. idolizing older kids in shows or at dance. I mean, I, I like really to the point of obsession. I was just thinking yeah. about like, and I, I don't, I think everybody does, but I think I just, I would watch and like just take in everything I could about older when I was Clara's age. Yeah. It's funny. I don't, I was not like really like that. Yeah. I didn't care much about older people when I was little. I wanted to be little. I liked people my age and younger, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, Clara has no use for people younger than her <laughs> whatsoever. She told me, this is totally off topic, but she told me that one of the worst things that can happen to her is if we're like at a park or the beach or something and little kids come up and talk to her, <laughs> she just doesn't know what to do. And she'll sit, she'll just mumble something under her breath and walk away because she doesn't know what to say to them. And she feels so dumb and awkward, that's but so around funny. big kids, she's great. That's so so yeah, I guess maybe that's partly uh, being around so many bigger people. I yeah. Don't know. Yeah. yeah. All right. So I'll dive in. Um, So I just want to say motherhood. I know I mentioned this before, but I became a mom right after actually that trip that I was talking about, the one where we went up into the Smokies. Mm -hmm. Um, And right after I got pregnant in my second year of college. So all this, that was kind of like, that was kind of like when the chapter of those kinds of adventures Mm -hmm. for a period closed, right? That chapter closed. And then it was like this thing that was completely unknown that I really quite eagerly threw myself into. I wasn't thrilled about 
what people thought of the fact that I was a young mom, but I was never afraid to be a mom. Like I Mm -hmm. always wanted to. And so that was very exciting to me, but it was also like jumping off the edge of a diving board. Like I had no idea with, you know, with my eyes closed, I had no idea what I was getting into. Um, and, and throughout the years, I mean, that's really been the defining thing of my life now since for 21 Mm -hmm. years. Right. So it's been, it makes everything else. Uh, Some adventures had to be put on hold. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't do any other, um, camping trips in the mountains for the fall for the next, I don't know, many, many years. Um, there's a lot of things I put on hold, but then there was this whole thing to conquer. Yeah. Right. That yeah. was in front of us. And I'm, we all experience that in different ways, but I yeah. know. No, I mean, it's to- I'm very glad you brought it up because that is, it is one of the ultimate adventures and it does leave very little room during certain seasons for any other adventures. Right. So. Because it is yeah, in it and is of itself an adventure when just getting to the grocery store is an adventure <laughs> then, you know, and I think like, you know, we've talked about how like when you like you could be an animal lover, but then when you have kids, something about your tolerance for pets. Yes. Kind of gets back burnered. It's kind of like that. That's kind of how I feel about things like all these things I'm starting to kind of incorporate slowly back into my life now. I just didn't have the headspace. Like mm-hmm. I didn't. Why would I make the work for myself to go? I don't know. Backpacking. Right. When <laughs> just taking my kids around the block was like backpacking. Right. You know, it was like. It was just these, why would I add on? Like I already had enough of that kind of work in my life and that kind of, um, I think of it as positive stress, but stress. Yes. And so, and, and the learning, the learning curve, Mm -hmm. like there's a learning curve that comes with anything new. Um, even if it's something you're going back to that you used to do, like getting back into it, there's a learning curve. Mm -hmm. And there were many years where I simply like just every day waking up and trying to figure out how to get my kid to take a nap was a learning curve. Mm -hmm. So why would I, you know, why would you, uh, yeah, so. it's like a finite amount of resources, <laughs> mental, exactly. emotional. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So some of the things that went along with motherhood for me, um, many cross state and some e- even cross country moves, mm-hmm. um, especially in my early, in my twenties, we kind of stopped that. Um, we moved to Chicago when I was 29, lived there for a year and then moved to St. Joe like a year, well, about a year and a half later. So since then I've been in one place. Um, and I used to love moving and I always thought it was a big, like, I don't know, exciting thing to leave one city behind and move into a different one. But I have to say, like, I've been in, you know, I've been in St. Joe now for going on 11 years and it's been nice to stay put, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, again, it's like the resources that it takes from your brain or just like not having that running like a computer, like running in the background all the time, having yeah. to think about those things frees up memory and RAM. Mm-hmm. I'm using a lot of computer, yeah. <laughs> uh, a lot of computer process, pro- it frees up some processing, processing. space bandwidth. Yeah, for other things. Some bandwidth. bandwidth. Thank you. <laughs> yes. For, for other things. Um, so, but again, in the future, I see myself having that wanderlust again. Yeah. I just kind of put it on pause Yeah. while I did other things. Um, I got back into theater Yes, you after did. being out for many years. So I didn't do any theater uh, oh, for like 15 years, maybe. And then about four, five years ago, got back into it. I mean, I think this podcast, for those of you who've been listening since the beginning, I don't remember the exact timing, but it seemed like the, your journey of getting back into theater almost coincided with this podcast. Meaning when we started, you had done yeah, almost maybe. none. I think you were taking voice lessons maybe, and then went to an audition. But I think I do feel like it's been four and a half years ish. Yeah. And, that, and, that makes you know, sense. longtime listeners will have heard you, you know, talk about different shows, directing, starring. 
Yeah, and it's what's so funny about that is that five years. Let's let's pretend I started four years ago because now I can't really remember. I think it was, I want to say it was summer of 2014 was when I um the first show I did again. Okay, so that's five years ago. I knew nobody. I didn't know anyone in the scene. Like, I didn't have any connections. I just showed up mm-hmm. and auditioned for something one day. And now, like, you know, I'm really good friends with someone who's opening a new theater in town. I'm on the board. Um, I'm directing with this organization for, of a children's theater organization. I've I've had leads in many shows. Like, I've just done now. Oh, I get to sing in a concert. Like, all these little mm-hmm. connections that I made through that. But I started from nothing. Mm-hmm. I didn't know anybody. Um, so a lot of that just it was literally just showing up at the audition. Well, that's hugely, I mean, to me, that feels like a huge adventure because it's super brave, like huge. Well, and, you know, I I took my lumps because I had a really small part in what turned out to be a bizarrely directed um, production (laughs) of this, of The King and I, but I won't go into that. Anyway, so that was an adventure and continues to be something that's a big part of my life. Um, And well, who knows what other adventures that'll lead to. Um, for the last couple of years, as you know, like I've really tried to kind of re-embrace my outdoorsy roots and have gotten into like I bought a kayak, um, I bought a camper, I've been camping, I've been just tent camping a lot, hiking a lot, I've done a couple backpacking trips, and those things were really scary to get into. And I think with that, I think in that case, it was because I didn't have a lot of experience. At least with theater, I had done tons of theater. So it was just like, I don't know. Scratching an old itch, getting back into it. Um, The muscle memory was there, but I had never really been super outdoorsy the way I wanted to be. I was like great at going for walks, but I didn't know anything about equipment. You know, I didn't know anything about like any, I didn't know anything about buying a kayak or how to get it on my car or any of those things. And so because I am an adult as well. Like you feel more foolish kind of being dumb about stuff. Well, and you also feel like, or at least I do, you assume that everyone else's knowledge, it's almost like yes. it's an on off switch. Like you are in the off position, you know, nothing. And everyone else is fully illuminated. Right. And really, and t- when you start peeling back the layers, you realize that someone who's maybe been kayaking once and maybe knows the brand because they saw it at the rental store on vacation right. is like, they're just barely incrementally ahead of you, but you, right. you assume everyone else knows. That's how I am. Yeah. At least. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I think, I think that that's a, an issue with many, many things in mm-hmm. business and everything else. We assume other people know so much more than us. Do we that do we're that afraid. in business? Oh my God. We yes, totally do that. We do that They're all the, worst the time. At that. We think that people know stuff that we don't, that there's some magic piece of information that other people know that if we just knew that we could get started, but, but getting started is the thing that makes you get the information. Right. 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 So, yeah. So that's been really fun and it's been just kind of this ongoing adventure and something I'm um, enjoying a lot. And really, it's kind of funny to think I've only really been doing it for like the last, like in a, in a, I mean, I did a lot of tent camping when the kids were little out of my car, but like all the stuff that I've yeah. had to get and learn and all that stuff. It's really only been the last couple of years. Well, so. I have to give you a shout out when I was there last uh, September, late September. And so you were all fired up about getting the last kayaking because it was about to be fall and the weather was going to get cooler. And so we, we loaded up the kayaks. We went and borrowed your friend Missy's kayak for me. And I have been kayaking a handful of times, but not regularly. And then it starts to rain. And I'm like, well, clearly this is not happening. And you were like, well, I th- <laughs> remember and you yeah. were like, I don't think it's actually going to rain. Like, I think this is just the edge of it. And I think we're going to have like an hour of no rain. And sure enough, we did. So you, yep. that was like legit adventuring. And that was an adventure for me because I haven't been kayaking like that in that kind of water. Usually I've been like around a harbor or something. 
We should throw a picture of that in the show notes. Yes, we had fun. I don't know that I ever shared them with you, but I have them on my phone. I see them every day. Oh, I'm sure I I stole them from you obsessively (laughs) like I do. (laughs) All right, good. Um, All right. Well, I just want to finish with like this last little story. It is about the manufactured, um, manufactured fun, manufactured adventure. So I got invited to go to on a ropes course last weekend. And it is exactly the kind of thing I would typically just not want to do. And part of it's because I wouldn't really know what I'm getting myself into. Part of it would be because I, I just don't want the performance pressure of having to like adventure in front of others in this, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like public adventuring. Capital A. Yes. Adventure. And, and part of it, because I sometimes feel like things like that. I don't know. I kind of dismiss them as a little corny. Like, yeah. oh, what? I can't have fun unless I go on this, this obstacle course that someone else made for me kind of a thing. Okay. So all of those Your rebel were tendencies are coming out. A my little rebel bit. tendencies were. Yes, exactly. But it did seem just like the thing to do. So I went and I did um, like three of the um, easy courses and they were harder than I thought, but it was fun. It was actually a lot of fun. And so we decided at the very end to try not the very, very hardest, but like the second to hardest. I can't believe there was one harder, by the way, but the second hardest. and. Sarah, (laughs) I almost died. Like, I don't even know how to describe. First of all, it was really stupid to do that after having worked really hard for two and a half hours. Right. You had already. Okay. I have a clarifying question because I have seen ropes courses that are mostly about the zip lining and then others that are mostly about the ropes obstacles. Was this more ropes than zip lining or both? This was much more ropes. Okay. So what it would be would be like, you'd have a series of obstacles to get you to the zip line, mm-hmm. but there was only one zip line per course. Yeah. And there were probably six different courses that would have between maybe four and eight obstacles. Mm-hmm. Okay. Each. Yep. I've, it, I've seen yeah. one like that. Yeah. And it would be like, it was extremely physically challenging. Mm-hmm. It took a lot of upper body strength because you are holding on to these ropes. You can either hold on. You're, you're, it's completely safe. You're like, you're um you're on a you're, you have a harness and you're rigged up to a cable and then you have like a dish so you're not only are you on the cable with like you have two clips you have something to hang on to there's ropes everywhere like you really can't hurt yourself but um it's still it's like not frightening like I wasn't afraid for my life but it's still there's an edge like mm-hmm. there's a little nervy edge when you're 20 or 30 feet in the air walking a tightrope mm-hmm. or doing things like there's just ropes like looped, like hanging, and you have to walk from loop to loop Ugh. and they're a foot and a half apart and they sag. So when you, when you step yeah. into them, they sag down. So the next, the one you're stepping into is like a foot higher than the one you're in uh-huh. and you have to like line your foot up with it, which means looking down, which is disorienting. I was really too busy to be afraid. Like I really, it was kind of like I was working so hard that I would have at some point thrown myself off. Like I was just ready to be done. So. Finally. So anyway, like we're on this really hard one and the first one was pretty hard, but I did it. And the second one was a little easier. And then the third obstacle in this particular, there's five obstacles in this particular course. The third one, I went the wrong way. So like there's this, the cable that I'm all rigged into and then the ropes were hanging to the right of it. So you really had to stay to the left Mm -hmm. or you would get your harness all wrapped up in the ropes. And I was thinking so hard about strategy of like where to place my hands and I'm getting tired that I went the wrong way and got myself all tangled up and had to go back. 
So by this point, I'm completely demoralized. Like, I can't believe this is happening. I have to go back. And the, one of the workers is on the ground coaching me. She's like, you know what? I think you're cool. Just keep going. And those ropes, the ropes will eventually loosen up and come through. And I was like, yeah, but I feel stuck. And I started to kind of panic. And then, and I it wasn't, again, I wasn't afraid I was going to die. I was, I just thought, well, what happens if I let go? Will I dangle and they'll have to come save me? Like what would happen? I just didn't know. Right. And so, um, and, and also you don't want to look like a dummy and yeah. I wanted to get through it and I was nervous and blah, blah, blah. So I get done with that one. Then the next one is like, a, like a Spider-Man, like mm-hmm. you're going, there's like a rope. I don't know. It looks like a Spider-Man web and you, you just kind of scale it and go sideways across it. That one actually wasn't too bad, except that then the little caliper, I think that's what they call them, the little uh, oval shaped clip mm-hmm. yeah. that's holding. I just, it wasn't like keeping me safe or anything. It was just holding some of my equipment out of the way. It got completely embedded in a rope. So oh. I was just hopelessly stuck. So I had my arms all wound up into it. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. I don't have the strength. That it, like I'm running out of strength and I don't have the strength to hold on with one hand and loose myself with the other hand. Luckily, I was within arm's reach so they could help me. So then there's still one more to go. Oh, my gosh. And I got to it. And my hands, at, this one was one where like, to really do it, you have to hold at the very tops of the ropes. There's tape up there that you can grip. My hands are tired. They're mm-hmm. starting to slip. My arms, like my forearms were just killing me. And I just finally, I looked down, I was about halfway over and I said, I don't think I can hold on anymore. What do I do? And she's like, can you get back? And I said, no, I, I literally don't think I could do anything more. So she's like, well, you can just sit in the harness. So I just sat down and I'm just dangling above the sky, like in the air. Uh-huh. And she's like, we'll take a little break. And then because she was awesome. And then she said, okay, well, scoot yourself. Like put your butt up on the, they were these like hanging wooden platforms, uh-huh. like swings. And she's like, just, you're just going to go from one to the next. You're just going to scooch, get into it. Then you're going to pull yourself down across, you know, down the cable. And then you're going to do it again. And so I just did that all the way till I got there. And it took a really long time and I was exhausted and I wanted to cry. And then the final thing was this, um, you just grab, you hook yourself into this tension line and jump. You're like way up in the air. Oh, wow. And then it drops you like free fall about two feet. Then it catches you. And then it just like slowly lowers you to the ground. People are afraid of this. I was so eager to get down that I just took a flying leap. Like I was just like, yes, I was like, here I come. But I didn't think about what I was going to do when I got to the bottom. So my feet hit the ground and I just fell on the ground. I didn't even think like I never I was so tired. I didn't think stand up. My feet touched the ground, but then my body like I was just laying. Yes, it just kept going. So I just laying in the wood chips, like so relieved. Now here's the funny thing. I would totally go back. Like it was miserable and awful and somehow really, really fun. And I would totally do it again. I think that's kind of like, I don't know, some kind <laughs> of a, a, of a metaphor about like the, like the most adventurous adventures are so hard and you get to the end and you're like, yeah, I'd do that again. Like, yeah, well chi- now and child, and I want to, like childbirth and now I kind of want to beat it Mm -hmm. now I want to best it you know like I want to like just conquer it so anyway that that's one of those stories where I took the adventure for me was even just doing an adventure that I thought was going to be dumb in the first place right and then finding out that it was actually so much harder than I expected um physically harder and mentally harder and still wanting to do it again that's really awesome do you have any pictures no (laughs) well I didn't bring my phone because there would have been no place for me to, yeah. you know what I mean? Understood. So, Understood. Yeah. 
Just have to imagine you dangling. Yeah, dangling. Dangling yes. up there, nearly Cry- in tears. And, and almost crying yeah. and whining. Oh my gosh, I was such a wuss. I'm like, I can't do it. I can't do it. <laughs> kind of like transition when you're in labor. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, can we, can we go back? And there is no going back. Like, yep, exactly. Oh my gosh. And I said to her, what happens now? Like when I'm dangling, I was like, what if I can't? She's like, well, it would be better if you did. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I don't know what that means. I know they must have some mechanism for getting people down if they just give up but it wouldn't have been easy put it that way oh my gosh that's so funny yeah all right well um like you said at the beginning megan we are going to take this topic in a couple weeks later in june look for an episode we're going to talk about kind of cultivating a spirit of adventure in your family with your kids even if you don't find yourself a particularly adventurous mom and i can relate to that so I'm really excited for that conversation. And of course, we will be back with you guys on Tuesday for our regular episode. We'll talk to you then. Talk to you then. Guess what, Megan? Over 10,000 teens are already using our sponsor, Erica, to help them unplug. That is amazing. Erica, that's Erica with a K, is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug whenever they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. It's so cool how this works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Yeah, you know, teens really get that social media comes with risks, including addiction. And Erica helps them build healthy habits and self-regulation that will benefit them their whole lives. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E R I K A dot A P P, and use code The Mom Hour to save 20%. The Mom Hour is brought to you by partners like Chatbooks. Chatbooks makes it beyond easy to create beautiful photo books by importing your digital photos from anywhere Instagram, Facebook, Google Photos, or directly from your phone. The books come in a variety of sizes with beautiful cover options and binding styles to choose from, and they start at just $15. Plus, we have a great deal just for our listeners. Use code THEMOMHOUR20 to save 20% off your purchase. Just download the Chatbooks app and use code THEMOMHOUR20 to save 20%.